I just want to, a big shout out to, to, to you all. You know, we got, um, we've got that, I don't know if you noticed in the back corner, with our, with our Christmas boxes, every box is full. And which means this week, this week we had some really generous donations and we smacked our target right in the go. So, why? Okay, isn't that awesome? I know. So, we, we've hit our $15,000 mark, and so that means that we have a thousand kids that we're going to be sending awesome gifts to. And um, so, we're just really proud of you guys. Thank you for being part of that. And, and I know there's even external people that have given to that. And if you still want to participate, don't stop because I promise you it'll go into that fund. And if it's not used in this boxes, it'll go to next year's one. And so, um, but, but schedule, we are going to have a blast on November the 20th. It'll be a packing party right here. We'll take the chairs out. We'll, we'll set up things. It's going to be a lot of fun to pack those boxes. And, and, um, and you should just see, we're going to have to get pictures from the children's building room that we've had to use to just buy the stuff. We've got thousands of dollars worth of stuff on order. We've got thousands of dollars worth of stuff that's already come in. It's pretty sound, it sounds impressive to say that, but I mean, and you know, this is all going to be to bless kids. It's not just stuff. It's an opportunity to use that opportunity just to, to bless a kid somewhere in the world and, and let them know that God loves them and let them know we love them. So, yeah, no, just, so we're really, really, it's going to be awesome. So next week, remember with the 80s bash, I do want to say this as well. It's a great opportunity to bring somebody who would normally not go to church. Um, we, we have um, our special guests, as you heard, Karen and I are going to be out of town, and, and, um, and, I, and I know by the Spirit of God that, that the next couple of weeks are going to be awesome. So I don't want you to disconnect, because if you hear something like that, you know, preachers are, are afraid of saying, don't tell people you're going to be away, because they're going to stay home. No, I, my experience is that you guys have a better time when I'm away than you know, I'm here. <laughs> so it's like, you came back, we were having a great time, you got out of the way. So, no, but um, no, genuinely, there is going to be, it's going to be an awesome service, and, and um, it will, people that normally would not go to church, it is a great opportunity to introduce them to fun, but also to something of God, and the, the ministry is going to be, is going to be spot on, an outreach service, as, it, as we say, and then, of course, there's the potluck and everything else, so I did, I did want to mention those two things, so thank you all. Yeah, um, Karen and I are looking forward to being away. It is, it is an anniversary trip that we had, we had planned to do some years ago for our 20th. Our anniversary was actually in February, and we had decided to go on a cruise, and that didn't work out. So um, for m multiple reasons, we decided, but, but I really have a sense that, that our time is going to be special, just as a couple, but that God has got, so God has got some appointments for us too. And so we're, we're, we really are. So pray with us. Pray with, pray with us about, about that because I believe we're going to come back different amen. too. So, amen, amen, hallelujah. I do sense um, um, just, a, just like, a, uh, I don't even know who said it to Lawrence maybe or something. Just saying that there's a peace here. Um, there's, there's an appointment here, time for us to respond to the Holy Spirit. The worship time is such a powerful time. I, I constantly... Um, if anybody knows me, I worship with my eyes closed. I, I, I have not liked for many years having screen, screen worship. That's me personally. Not, I, I won't stop. We won't stop having screens. They'll have the ability for people to follow along. But I feel that if we, if we only ever look at a screen when we're in worship, you, you, you keep yourself from connecting with God to some degree. What do I mean by that? Well, 
because you, when you close your eyes and you start using your imagination, and I'll talk a little bit about this when I get into my message here, but when you, when you close your eyes and you use your imagination, you've got the ability. God, God I believe the power of imagination is, is so incredible that you can experience a reality before you can, you can touch it. Do you know that? Your imagination is so powerful. They, scientists have even found this to be true, but God knew it a long time ago that you can emotionally imagine something and you will experience euphoria. Your brain will act. Your body will act. Your heart rate will increase. I mean, if I got you to, uh, to do an imagination exercise uh, of both fear or of, of passion or of, uh, of something exciting, of something scary... All of those things, you can, if you close your eyes and imagine that scenario, your blood pressure will react, your heart rate will react, even though you're sitting in a chair. Why? Because you can't tell the difference. You're, you're, you can't tell the difference between when your imagination becomes so tangible than from reality. You yourself, your, your person. And so imagination is an incredibly powerful tool to use. And in worship, just the same you know so i want to encourage you um as as we have we have an awesome an awesome worship team that knows how to worship the lord and and just to to plug in so to speak and and you know learn the words but you know what um sometimes you want to open your eyes and check out the words but i want to encourage you forget about somebody around you we tell we say this to people sit stand lie if you want to kneel it doesn't, it, it's, you're not here to put on a show for anybody. You're here, you're here to connect with your father. You're here to just to worship him and let him love on you. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes you don't feel like it. And sometimes you just want to sit and you want to just listen. Then do that. Sometimes if that's where your heart is at, why don't you just keep seated and just close your eyes and just listen to the words. But really listen to the words. Connect. Try that sometime. Don't feel like you have to go through a ritual, a, a ritual of doing certain things, of clapping certain ways, of, because we can become so ritualistic that we miss the entire point of connecting relationally to our God. Yeah. And that's what worship is. I've told the worship band too, and we've had services like this where, where worship becomes the service. Nothing wrong with that. And I'm a word person. I believe in the word. I believe that word, the word, is a, the word is, is, essent, is a powerful tool. But you know what? Not every service works like that. Neither do we try and concoct something. You know what I mean? I'm just saying stay open. Plug in. Connect to God. And, and I really appreciate our, our, our worship team for being so sensitive to that. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. So um, um, I just want to pray. Why don't you close your eyes with me? Father, we just... Uh, we do just open our hearts to you. We thank you that you can have it all. Every single part of us, Lord, we can surrender. We do surrender to you. Father, thank you what you're doing in our hearts, in our lives. Thank you for introducing us to your love. Thank you for those words given, Father. Thank you that we can race on ahead. And thank you, Father, that even though we do walk through the valley of the shadow, of death and sometimes it seems cold and dark that you are faithful and only faithful even if we don't know it your goodness and mercy follow us every day of our life so we thank you lord thank you lord amen amen you know um
this, I, I wanted to, to, uh, to, I'd say finish off this series, it's, and, I, and I say finish off this series, I, we started a series a few weeks ago called Creating Your New Normal, and today will be number five, and, and, and really, as I, as I was looking at the series, I really struggled with this series in the sense that I, I was trying to communicate um, some spiritual principles with human words, and I felt like this is one of those series that you almost have to catch, like somebody says, it's not as much taught as it's caught. And, and there is a spiritual aspect, and I think a lot of m messages like this, inspirational messages are that way, and, and I encourage you to go back and listen to them a number of times, because I believe that as, as you open your heart and you listen to some of those, these messages a few times, that you will, that you are going to, you're going to get something a lot more out of it by doing that. So it, it's not, it's not just information, external information, but there is something that, that, that you need to understand where we're going here. But really, in the series, as I said, creating your new, your new normal. Um, I've said that the church for a long time has be, you know, has become re really not about the church has become about what people did and not really about what people believed. And that has caused the church to be, the church generally speaking in today's day and age, a very unhealthy place. Because it's made it about ritual and about your actions and about what you look like externally, what you behave like externally. Not to say some of these things aren't important, but that is not the goal. There's a lot of churches that as long as you look the part, the pastor will be happy with you. Or you will be happy with you if you look the part. But, it's been, but the church was always about, was about what you believed, and, and it, it really is essential to create a new normal, and I defined this a few times, but, but we live our life in a normal. We have a standard that we, that we default to, no matter what it is, a, 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 ment, a, a sort of, a, I even said a, a, a physical standard, your health standard. You have a health standard, you have a weight standard, you have an income standard. You have a, a relational standard. You, you find yourself always attracted to the same kind of person or same kind of friends. Or you resist certain things. You don't, there, there is a standard that we all live our lives in. And unless we embrace a heart of humility and say, Lord, I'm willing for you to change me. I'm willing to change what I believe because that's what church is about. If I'm, I'm willing to change what I believe, you won't experience anything different. You will have more of what you have been getting. Not to say you won't hope for it better, but if you, you can temporarily go below your standard, of say, say it is a weight standard, you have an image in your mind about a certain weight. Now that grows over time, and there's a thousand different or ten thousand different reasons. It could be this, it could be that, it could be the next thing. But I can tell you what, if you, if, if you don't deal with what I'm talking about, I hear what I'm saying, if you're, you can temporarily go below that standard, but you will ultimately come back to what your normal is, right? So w when you understand this, though, it sets you free because no longer will you be trying outwardly to change because so often behavior modification is what the church has told people that you've got to do. In other words, change what you do outwardly and look the part, but you're not really experiencing true victory. True victory is when you experience the inward victory, where you, where you are beyond the temptation 
You're not pretending to not have the, temp- the temptation. You're not struggling not to have the temptation, but you actually have no temptation. That thing that what you were struggling with no longer bothers you. You don't even think about that. And some of you don't even believe that anymore because you've struggled with some area for you for so long, you have taken that as your normal. You're, and it, you're just like, oh, well, it's always going to be that way. Or it's always going to be. Now, you cannot change anybody else. I can't change you. I can't change my spouse. I can't change. You can't change anybody. God can't even change you. Ooh. But I'm praying and asking God to change him, her, it. No. Do you think if God, God wants the whole world to be saved, do you think if it was in his power that he wouldn't? There's so many pieces and directions I could go with that. But I, but I need you to, to, to hear with your heart here. Amen? So to create a new normal, what do we do? How do we create a new normal? And, and we've, we've touched on, on this for, a, like I said, for a few things. But I said in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1, it says, Who has believed our report? And, and the foundation that we always go back to is Jesus Christ and whom crucified. Because the, God, the Godhead is saying there, he says, who will believe our report? It's not the historical knowledge of Jesus dying. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? Yes, I believe Jesus died on the cross. Well, whoop-de-doo. If you just accept that fact intellectually and it doesn't penetrate your heart and it doesn't, your, it doesn't penetrate, you don't delve into it, you don't assimilate the information, then all it will be is external historical information. Yes, Jesus was that guy. He died on a cross, on a cross blah, blah, blah. Big deal. Except that when you know what Jesus accomplished in the cross, you can close your eyes and understand and go through the truth. And it can, because you've unpacked it and, and meditated on it and, and you understood what God's report is about what Jesus accomplished in the cross, it will change your emotions. Your heart rate will start changing. Your emotions will start changing. Depression will walk out the door. That's why Jesus could say, when he opened that scroll in the beginning of his ministry and he said, he spoke, he turned to the book of Isaiah, right? And he said that God has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, deliverance for the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to declare the day of the Lord's favor. There, 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 is, a, there is an element to when you understand what Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection, what, what he actually, he became, God became, and I, I, I can't go back there, but, but I haven't even really deeply unpacked that, and that's not the point of this series. I can do that at another time, okay? It's like my Hoberman sphere I showed you. These parts connect, okay? But there is an understanding that G- God emptied himself and did everything he had to do. He had to do as a man. I'm going to say this, and I need you to hear me, 100% man and not God. He emptied himself of his divinity. Was his identity a child of God, a son of God? Yes, it is. But he did and accomplished everything as a man. And there's, there, we can study that all out. And, and there's huge pieces of the church that don't even believe that. That God actually became a man. It says it in Philippians 2. It teaches that, that, that he emptied himself. And so when you understand that he did as a Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus, the son of God, was anointed by God. He had the spirit of God come on him. Everything 
Jesus did, he did as a man anointed by God. And if you catch that, it'll blow your world apart because suddenly that makes those things possible for you and for me. And, you know, and, and so he gets this. Then he takes the sin of the world. He takes the punishment, the propitiation. God declares his love for us by taking the punishment. That, that, that's even taking the punishment, my words fail me because the punishment for your and my every sin has already been meted out. For every failure you've done and ever will do, the punishment for that sin was already meted out onto Jesus. That's what the word propitiation said. That when he would take the anger, the punishment of God was put on him. That is mind-blowing. Because when that, that truth becomes and indwells our heart, it sets us free from the past. When Christians are burdened by the past, it's because they've never owned and made and assimilated that simple truth. The punishment from that set you free of all your sins, every part of it, has been taken by Jesus. So this is all part of God's report, his report. He, and that's what Isaiah 53 is talking about. It goes in Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 54. Uh, the book of Isaiah is just amazing from beginning to end. But, but, but that's just another part of it. And then what Jesus did and taking your sin to the grave and overcoming the devil defeating satan not there because he isn't the lord of hell with a, a fork he defeated he he defeated sin he had victory over sin hell and the grave then he gets risen from the dead and goes to heaven he he costs you know that satan used to have representation in heaven you see it in the book of job do you know that he no longer has representation in heaven the he who accused us before god no longer has place he was he was kicked out of heaven he no longer has a God's ear. Why? Because the Bible teaches all of those things. His report. Jesus, then Jesus says, you know that when Jesus raised of the three days, he wasn't even done yet. He wasn't done yet. He hadn't, still hadn't sent out the Holy Spirit. Hadn't even been, he said to Mary when he saw in the garden, he said, listen, don't touch me. I ain't done yet. He had to go to heaven. He had to go to, to the throne room of God. He, he went not to the, the earthly made tabernacle, but to the heavenly tabernacles, the book of Hebrews teaches, and, and poured out his blood that would take away sins once and for all. Not like the, bulls and blood, the, the, the blood of bulls and goats that would temporarily take away sin. Hebrews lays this all out beautifully taken so he goes up there pours out his own he receives an inheritance he receives the inheritance the inheritance that he earned as a man now in heaven firstborn what do you think that means do you think other people haven't been raised from the dead before lots of people have been raised before jesus but the firstborn he came up he got he he because never to die again he was firstborn, the firstborn of many brethren. He goes to heaven. He takes his blood there. He sorts out all the, the, the sin issue, the propitiation. The, the sin is taken care of. He, all of those things are taken care of. He receives an inheritance. And then he, gave, he gives us, he gives you and I the ability to be a co-heir in that inheritance. Then the teaching of the law, and the law was just a little guardian until the Mosaic law was just a guardian to, to show a certain thing and bring us to the place so that we can have the full freedom of God's Son, which is the whole book of Galatians. 
You see, all of these things fit together in, in pieces. That, and, and then when we're, so, so nothing, sorry, nothing we do and, and have access to is ever asking God to do something because we're a co-heir with Christ. As a co-heir with Christ, this, this is super important, but I'm telling you, the concept is life-changing. Because as a co-heir, when you, when you know how to believe these truths in your heart, to lay hold of these things and to affect your heart, they will totally radically transform the way you see everything. The way you pray, that will, that will be because you no longer are praying the way that we've dealt with that in the prayer series. You're no longer asking God for stuff. And, and, and listen, that doesn't mean that we don't pray. We do pray, and, and, I, and I can't go into all of that right now, but, but the, the, when, when, we, when we pray, and because, because we know uh, this is my inheritance. Yes. I'm a co-heir. I, you can, uh, Jesus was the exchange. The, we were reconciled. He took our punishment. We, took, we got his whole inheritance. It was a good deal. You take all my sin and punishment and I get, I inherit everything the Son of God earned for me. God made him who had no sin, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, to be, be sin for us. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. He took my sin, we become the righteousness. You see it all over scriptures when you, when you, when you allow your heart to see these things and believe his report. That's what God's saying. You believe my report. Who's going be, to believe us? Because it is kind of too good to be true, right? And we, did, we must trust stuff like that because, are you saying, that just sounds, I don't hear that. I've never heard that before, Shannon. Well, that's the problem because that literally is the gospel. That is literally why it was called good news. That is literally why it was called good news. That God would take the punishment and bear the sin, bear our iniquity. But you see, these concepts, so... It's, it's, there's this, this uh, I'll get into the word glory, but you know, the, the, there is a definition, if you understood, if you study the word doxa in Greek, it's fascinating, because the word doxa, or glory, has become churchy, churchanized to only mean the shininess, this outward shining, and splendor, and brightness, and shininess, but, but literally, all the Greeks of the day, if you go and study it, all the Greeks of the day, the word literally means to have a view, to have an opinion, God's glory, God's glory is his view and opinion of reality. You see, we have a view and opinion of reality, and God has his. So, so then I've spoken to you um, about students versus disciples, and what's the difference? A disciple wants to become like their master, live like their master, where a student just wants to know the stuff that my master knows. It's just about the information. You just sit and you take notes, and, but you don't want to become, right? So we're, we're not that, though. We're, dis we're disciples. And then Romans 1, 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the good news, this good news we're talking about, because it is the power of God for salvation. Sozo or soteria, which we've unpacked before. So saved, healed. It's not just saved. Healed, set free, delivered, made whole. All of those truths, the gospel is the power of God into salvation. How? For in it the righteousness of God, not your righteousness by your works. Romans 4 breaks that all down and you know, Philippians 3 breaks that all down. Not your, your, there is no righteousness you can earn on your own works. But he says this righteousness of God that is by faith from first to last. 
Just as it's written, the just shall live by faith. So, so the, the word faith, and, and I, I can't do you justice by teaching faith here in a couple seconds because it's, a, it's really something that needs to be refounded because, be, because faith is not a commodity, and you've heard me say it. Faith isn't money. It isn't a currency we buy stuff from God with. How much do you have, Corin? Do you think you can buy enough? How much faith do you have? Oh, sorry, you couldn't get your healing because you just didn't have enough faith. No, Jesus said it's not about how much faith you have. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed. You see, the way, but faith has been mistaught to be this amount of faith. And, and, and we can unpack that at a, another series, okay? But faith has been this missing ingredient because, because when we understand that, that, that really faith is of the heart. And, and we know this because when we, we spoke about the heart in the series and, and in this, we've, we've said, listen, it, it is about the heart. God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Jesus said, clean the inside of the cup, work on your heart. And we went through all those scriptures last week. You know, clean the inside of your cup and the outside will be clean inward. He says, he says, people worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He says, you bunch of hypocrites, you can stand here in church and pretend to be a Christian and say, oh, glory to God, I love Jesus, isn't it great, hallelujah, and he can say, you hypocrite, because it's not about what you say outwardly that matters anything. It's about what's happened inwardly. God has always been a God that deals with and works with the heart, always about the heart, and, and, um, and so... And so when we, when we talk about the heart, um, and, and we, we understand, um, I have to give this definition just for the sake of this, but the heart and the spirit are not the same thing. Your spirit becomes born again, it becomes untouchable, you're sealed, but your heart is not that. The heart, we are told to guard our hearts above all else. It says that do not, if you do not, it says in Mark 11, if you do not doubt in your heart. So a heart, it says, if, uh, Romans 10.10 10 says, if you believe in your heart. So your heart is a place where you can believe, but it's also a place where you could doubt. It's also a place that has to be guarded. And then, and then there's all these other scriptures that talk about um, uh, you, you're supposed to guard your heart, write on your heart, direct your heart, establish your heart. All those scriptures that, and I can just... Uh, in, I already said Romans 10.10, 10, with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one is con confesses and, and is saved. And we can come back to that one. Proverbs 3.3, 3, it says, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. You are the one who writes it on the tablet of your heart. Yeah. I'm going to say it again. You and I are the ones that have to do that. We bind them around our neck. We are the ones that write things on the tablet of our hearts. Proverbs 7, verse 1 to 3 says this, My son, keep my words. Treasure up my commands within you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye, which is, is the, favor, the, the thing of you focus on, your favorite thing. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. There's another scripture, I forget it where it is, maybe one of you remembers it, but it says, my tongue is a ready scribe and talks about how you, you can and we'll, we'll talk into how do, we, how do we write on our hearts. This is, 
This is where the change comes, because this is where we change our normal. These, these things, I'm, I, I'm unpacking a concept here for you, because it's in writing on our heart that we ultimately change our new, or create, I should say, our new normal. Remember, change comes from the outward, but transformation comes from the inward, and we've, we've spoken about that. True transformation is not becoming something you're not, it's accepting and persuading your heart of who you are. Your heart needs to be persuaded. Not because, because listen, when you were born again, man, I, I don't know how many, you know, if you were born in a Christian home, you're at a, at a disadvantage. But if you had a, a, night, a sex, drug, and rock and roll and all that kind of a background and you were born again, I don't know how many of you know what I'm talking about. If you've had a real salvation experience where you're like, one day you were there in the dark and then you had this experience with Jesus and then it was like whole new, a whole new being came out on the other side. And, and, and sometimes, unfortunately, if you don't know what you believe or you grow up in a Christian home and you just think I sort of inherited Jesus because I did the right stuff, well, you don't just inherit Jesus. You have to, even then, if you grew up in a nice home, you still have to ultimately receive him and you have to connect with him and believe and take him to and and that's why it's it's a little trickier for people that have a, a nice home with great parents quiet here in this place <laughs> yeah but 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 you know but you know your your heart can if you see we've never been taught how to guard our hearts and yet the word of god tells us to guard it above all else. So what happens is we get born again, but nobody even tells us how to guard your heart. We get told there isn't even such a thing as a heart. Nobody even teaches about the heart. And so what happens is that your heart gets corrupted. Your belief system gets stuff from your denomination, sadly, from preachers. They're the worst. You know, never believe a preacher. Well, except some. No, I guess it's like... <laughs> No, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying that, that your heart, your belief system gets corrupted. The God is in control thing. And, and I have got some of your letters. I, I, I've written a bunch of stuff on God in control that will help sort some of these things out. Because, but some of that stuff is insidious because it has been taught by denominations. It's become accepted as the Christian belief. And it's not even true. It's blatant in scripture if we study it and unpack it. And, and, and there's the, but you see, our heart gets corrupted because we believe. So we, we, there's swaths of things. If you believe, oh yeah, look, I can't even go that way. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. But, but, but there, there's things that have come in. Now, does that make us, you know, unsalvageable? No, 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 no. Because we still can write on the table of our hearts. Amen. We still need to write on the table of our hearts. We need to understand this truth. And know how to guard our hearts more than anything else. Because this is where the secret is. This is where effortless transformation is. This is where we experience true transformation is. And if we don't understand this piece, what we're going to do is we're going to do all the Christian, gymnast Christian gymnastics outwardly. Run on the little Christian wheel, the hamster wheel. 
exhaust ourselves of trying to do good. And how many, how many of you have been there? You haven't been there? You've tried there and you exhaust yourself on the Christian wheel trying to do everything the pastor and you feel God is telling you to do and you feel condemned because you did this and did that, whatever, all of those. And eventually you just, whew, I can't perform. And that's where so much of the world is because it hasn't, it hasn't grasped these concepts. But yet, it's so simple. It's so simple to believe in our heart and lay hold of it. Jesus said the truth will set you free. And, and as you've heard me teach on John 8, 31, 32 before, it, it, it said he was talking to one disciples, not the casual people who didn't care, who came just to check out the miracles. He spoke to his disciples. And he said, if you're my disciples, he said, you will abide in my word. Abide, meno, means to settle down, to sit in it, to you, you. That's like getting in the hot tub of God's word, living in there, soaking in it. If you will abide, if you're my disciples, my disciples do this. They soak in the word. He said, then you will, gnosko, you will intimately know the truth. When you intimately know the truth after soaking in the gospel, on the word, in his view and opinion, the truth will set you free. Then Jesus said all those things that he prophesied, recovery of sight to the blind, and it's, not, and it's mostly not physical blind, but certainly all of that too. All the physical ailments, all the depression, all the emotional stuff can, can, can be changed. But the principles are the same. The principles are the same. Now, <coughs> um, where am I? I, I so as a, yeah, I, I was just thinking there's a, there's a great book that I'll tell you about later that you that we that Norman and Linda did. Uh, Jim Richards got a book on on it. That that I mean, you did. How did long did you run the book? The last group, two years, three years, and that group literally had massive transformation in people. Uh, but it's not a, it's not something that you can a little dab will do you. You have to get stuck into it and work through some stuff. But it deals with some of these ultimate principles, and 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 really, it really is how you can experience. A new, a new normal, okay? So, so really, <coughs> I've spoken about this piece before. Um, we, we have to know how to put off the old man, renew our mind, and put on the new. It says this in Ephesians 4 and in Colossians 3, I think it is. Put off the old man, renew our mind, and put on the new. Now, that is not becoming, uh, with when I used to see legalistically from my old mindset was like, Stop doing the bad stuff, and you, you can maybe become a good guy one day if you try hard enough. That's how I used to read that. But that's not what transformation is about. It's about believing who you are. It's, about it's simply taking what I've already said here, the heart of the gospel, and, and, and receiving it, believing it. But now, remember, where is this core of, of our belief system is our, is our heart, right? Now, I, I point here to to my chest because, because I, I, I like the way Jim says this or, the, or um, Jim Richards mentions this, but it, it's sort of, when I do this in the D group, I put a little diagram together of body, soul, and spirit. Man is, is, has got a body, but you have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you also have a spirit. But the heart is almost where all three of these, in my, the way I understand it, where all three of these come together. That is the core of your being, right? So, how do, we, how do we change 
or write on the tablet of our hearts. And, and, and this is where, where I believe this. So um, in Romans 10, 10, I mentioned this already. <clears throat> Actually, I'm going to go to verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, healed, delivered, set free, made whole. All of those things. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Heart, belief, mouth, confess. You see, our mouth, my tongue, I'm trying to think of that scripture, man. I couldn't, I, I, it, just, it just popped in, but I, when it talks about my, the, my heart being, a, my mouth being, or my tongue being a ready scribe. Psalm 45, verse 1. Thank you, sweetie. Psalm 45, verse, verse 1, talks about your tongue being the, uh, the ready scribe. And, and, and I, you see this connection between confession and heart so often in Scripture. But confessing it, I, I don't know how many of you, and I know a number of you have come out of a, a, a word of faith environment where there was this <clears throat> um, Romans 10, verse 17. Everybody who came out of the faith movement remembers Romans 10, verse 17. We know. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then it would say, hearing and hearing and hearing. You just keep hearing the word of God. So when I was in, in Bible school, man, we just had tapes, because it was the day, right? Tapes and tapes and tapes. And you would listen and listen and listen and listen and listen and listen, because that's how you get more faith. You need more faith to buy stuff from God with, right? So you have more faith. Listen, 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 listen. Get the word of God. Listen, listen, listen. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But that's not what it's been saying. There's been people that have been, know the Word of God. There's, there's people that know the Bible back to front. They can quote pieces of the Bible, and they're in the wrong religion. They ritualistic do stuff. They, they ritualistic. So, and, and, and if we go and study Romans 10, what it's saying, it, it, it doesn't talk about just regurgitating the Word of God. It's talking about knowing the gospel, the good news of peace. That, that, that whole that whole context is about knowing the gospel of peace. Faith comes with the gospel of peace. Faith comes when you know what Jesus has done, when you meditate on his, his, on his report of what God has done. Are you still with me? Am I moving too fast today? I, okay. So confession is, is more than just regurgitating words because we would say, just say this, just say this, just say this. And it becomes an empty regurgitation. That's not what confession is. The word confession is to, is to say the same thing. Is it's to get your mouth and your heart to line up. And that's where, that's where, we, where, where we, um, we use the art of meditation and imagination. Now, <laughs> simply put, we all meditate. Clint Byers did a good job on this when he was here with us earlier this year. Um, but when we say meditation, some people think, oh, that's not a Christian thing. Stop talking about that. But, 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 but it's, it's true. You all meditate. You just call it daydreaming. Or you call it worrying. Yes. 
you call it worrying because you just, you, you imagine, you use your imagination, imagine the worst case scenario possible, you know, and then somebody calls and says, you haven't paid your taxes and if you don't give me money right now, the, the FBI is going to come and arrest you, <laughs> I, you know, you, you know. And you know what I mean? It's just like, but, but you're like, did I pay my taxes? Did I have this? Did I have, y your, your imagination kicks in when you hear something and we, we follow the same principles. You, you get your emotions involved, your heart state. Did I do that? Did I, but you know, maybe you're driving down the, or the road and a cop car pulls out behind you and you're like, immediately I put my brakes, of course. But <laughs> I never speed. <laughs> Liar, Shannon. Yeah, um, um, but, 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 you know, immediately you imagine, use your imagination, you imagine the worst case scenario. Oh, I've got a, I've got a lump. Oh boy, some of you immediately, oh, it's cancer, you're done for. I'm not, it's going to be, that's it. I'm going to heaven. Well, or maybe you know, whatever it is, we already we already replay the worst case scenario. Why? Why? Who put that thought in your mind? Not the devil, by the way. The devil's got nothing to do with it. It comes from your corrupted heart that says God's not good. This is evil. I deserve evil. All of these untruths that your heart has not been persuaded of the truth in comes up with this little solution because you had a lump in your arm. And you play it, you believe it, you imagine, I'm going to go to the doctor, I'm gonna, it's going to be bad, it's going to be, oh, pray for me, call out the cavalry, let's get 100, 100 people to pray because I've got a lump in my arm, and let's gang up on God, maybe, maybe we need 200, how many is enough, by the way? When does God eventually listen? Is it one, or is it 50, or is it 150? Mm. Yeah, but you see, because it, we, we, when we persuade ourselves in truth, the truth sets us free. When, when, I, when we decide I'm going to believe his report and I focus on these things, then there, there is a, there is a um, I, I, I see it like a foundational effect. There are truths in the word of God that are just very foundational. And when we speak, and spoke, we speak often about the love of God, God's unconditional love. And as you know, it says it very clearly in Ephesians 3, that is what we are rooted and grounded in. There is a foundational truth of God's unconditional love that we have to be firmly established in. So you can't get enough of hearing God is, loves you and loves unconditionally and God is love. And we have spent copious amounts of time talking about the love, the love of God. And that's a good thing. Because these, there are truths that as you found, get yourself founded in. Corinth's doing churches that heal. We've done uh, search for significance in, in the church. Search for significance goes to, you, if you're, a, if you're a, get, help me remember the four, here, sweetheart. Um, the four, uh, performance trap, approval addict, the blame game, and the guilt and shame. Each one of those things, if you're a, one of us, we normally have a tendency to fall into one of them. Into performance was one of my things. Performing, performing. Why? Because you end up performing because there's a root belief in you that you've not dealt with. It's a non-truth non that is sitting in your heart. But guess what it's causing in you? It's causing you to have these thoughts, these meditations, these worries that come up. These th it, it causes you to make decisions in a certain way. Until you deal with the root belief, you keep doing the same thing. Remember I said that before. Unless you change the beliefs in your heart... 
using meditation, you're just going to get more of the same thing. Why? Because you're going to face every situation the same way. Every similar situation the same way. Whether it's a bump on this or it's a that or it's a ticket or it's a, oh, there's something comes in the mail. Ooh, oh. You're going to approach people the same way. You see it right, right now. People, there is, you just see, you don't believe the good, you're going you're gonna to believe the bad. You don't know, there's people that have experienced healings and crusades. I've been on crusades, I've watched many, 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 many people miraculously healed. But you need to know how to hold on to your healing. Because otherwise you get your mouth and your heart involved and you lose your healing. Amen. That you had complete healing. So these things, that's why ultimately it is so important, so important to learn how to persuade our hearts and how to guard our belief system. And, and, and this work, this work on your heart is this, is, this is the piece that nobody wants to admit, one of the pieces that only you can do. You know, little birds, when they're tiny, the mom and dad bird will eat the food for them and then throw it up in their mouth, yeah. basically, right? Unfortunately, I can't do that for you. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> but but you, know, you know what I mean? We, there's nobody that can do us for us. I can give you a buffet. I can give you a meal. I can bring you Chick-fil-A or whatever your favorite food is, but I can't chew, eat consume, digest, assimilate it for you. Only you can. Only you can. I can present truths like this and I can, I can say, come guys, this is what's going to happen, but only you can assimilate it. I can take you through Costco, but that wouldn't make you well. You can't consume enough. That's, I've, I've got a whole thing about Bible school and things like that. This is the danger of Bible school. And I believe in Bible school. But this is the danger of Bible school. You think that in two years or three years or four years, you can just eat all the food in the world and you never have to eat again. Well, how would that work? It doesn't. You can't consume that much food. You can only digest a little bit at a time. So you all that love to listen to 100 sermons each week, I would rather you listen to one sermon a hundred times. And, and, and I, I'm telling you, there's the, not to mention if you're getting confused messages, an incongruent message from one preacher who says this and one preacher who says that, which, and this one and this one and this one and this one, and then you say, oh, well, they're all nice guys and they must be right because they've got 10,000 people in their church. You can't, you can't grow like that. You can't get established like that. Check your heart out when I'm talking about this because this is a profound truth. But you think, oh, I can listen to all these guys and then I, yeah. And, and I'm telling you what, you inoculate yourself or immunize yourself against truth because you've heard this guy say this and you, and you can say that, but it's not real in your heart, but you think it is. You think it is because you, you heard somebody say it and you can regurgitate it and maybe you could even give a scripture reference but you have never chewed assimilated it digested it made it yours 
You've never used your imagination in a positive way, sat down with a scripture and meditated on so till eventually that thing dawned in you. And it was like, ah. Oh. It because was that did did God do anything with it? No. You just digested the food that was there for you. Revel that's what a revelation that's what some people call revelation. I remember before I went to Bible school, I had time and I just finished the army. I uh, did my stint in the army, and I had six months. I went and traveled and, um, for a good portion of that. And then I, was, uh, I went to Israel for like three months. I learned some Hebrew. I stayed in a kibbutz, worked on a kibbutz, and I went to Greece and Turkey. And, and I, I backpacked for a while, and, and it was a fun time. And, and, but I remember I, I had had a profound spiritual experience in the army. And, and so God was talk, talking to me about certain issues, about faith righteousness, and about certain things because I had been so trapped in legalism. And so I was having these revelations of God, and, and, and so I, I was enjoying living in Israel, and, and, um, and I remember there was this time I got home, and I was in my bedroom, and for a couple of weeks, I just started meditating because just about heaven for some reason. I don't know why, but I started thinking about heaven. And I was reading script books on, I was reading the Bible, what the Bible said about heaven. And it w when Paul said, he, you know, he knows a man that he went to heaven, and he speaks about. And I remember after about a week or two of just, just a very, of spending a lot of time thinking about heaven, I remember one day, it was like I became unchained. <laughs> I became so unchained with the excitement of heaven. It, it, it changed in something and changed in me. And I, be, I, I was like, we're going to go to heaven. And I was like, it, it was like the, it wasn't like, oh, that distant thing. It became so real to me, so profound, so, so life changing. It was like, I can't wait to go. And I mean, I can, even now my hair stands up on my, my, on my arms. And why? Because that truth got grounded in my heart. I didn't even, I didn't even do it intentionally, but it, heaven became something so real to me. That it was like, because that is, a, but you know, that's what all truth does. When it's the truth. When it's the truth. And that's why we need elders among us. That's why we need good life group leaders that know stuff. Because, because baby Christians can eat a lot of junk. And, and really it does them no good. It's no different to having a baby where they stick anything that goes in their mouth anything and 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 sadly it's super dangerous and most baby christians think that oh i'm doing great because i'm i'm doing what the pastor said i've just got to listen to the word and accept that they chewing on all kinds of the wrong stuff i'm I listen i'm not trying to be exclusive here hear what i'm saying hear with your heart what god is saying hear with uh, with your heart if you are not hearing a consistent, congruent message, it's going to create confusion. I'm going to say it again. If you're not hearing a consistent, congruent message, it will create confusion. And a lot of confused Christians have got so many confused beliefs. You've got one belief pulling this way, one belief pulling this way, and then they wonder why they can't get healing. Why? Because... Do you know that if you don't believe the right thing about righteousness, you can struggle with healing? 
if you don't believe the right thing about, there's a lot of things that you don't know, these things that I'm talking about. But I'm telling you, when you get your beliefs all straightened up and congruent, they all start pulling in the same direction and suddenly things work. Was it God that got off his throne and said, oh, let me come down and help Shannon out? No, the work has been done. I had to not, I was the one that got my heart corrupted. I was the one that didn't know even how to guard my heart. Now, and when the things start working, I'm like, oh, you mean God's not going to judge me because I murdered somebody last week? No, I'm just, I didn't, just in case you thought that was a <laughs> confession. But, 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 but I mean, if, if, but you know, you carry, you, you, most of you all carry guilt about something. Most of us carry guilt about something and then, because we don't know that we know that we know that we know, we don't understand the truth about Jesus taking the punishment, that foundational truth isn't true to us. It doesn't work in our hearts. So what do we do? We expect things not to work out. We expect to carry sickness. We expect to have a result in our lives. Those are all from a corrupted heart. That's why Jesus said, from the heart of man comes forth evil. Is this making sense? Am I st uh, I'm you see, if you are willing to embark on a journey and understand the power of meditation, and I, and I wish I had more time to go deeply into meditation, because meditation and imagination are, are the powerful tools that you can use. And your tongue, learning how to confess with your mouth. That's really the practical side of it. Because when you set time aside, because you need time. One, you need, so in other words, you can, everybody's got 24 hours in the day. You've got to decide how important it is to you. But you've got to set some time aside in your life. And if you, don't, if you say, but you don't understand, my life is full. Well, then you've got to choose. Where are you going to take something out and put something in? Y your choice. You, you choose. It's your life. It's your time. But if you've got to set some time aside with God and you're going to close your eyes, you're going to find the truth and you're going to set time to time and you're going to pray and you're going to say, thank you, Holy Spirit, because thank God he's given us the Holy Spirit. Some people don't even believe in the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. He's our guide. He's our counselor. He, Jesus said he couldn't even do it without the Holy Spirit. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. You have to know the personal work of the Holy Spirit. So when you're sitting alone you know the Holy Spirit, you know He's leading, and you're reading Scripture. In, and I'm not just saying, oh, you know, sobody begets sobody, and sobody begets sobody. And, you know, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these truths of the gospel. I'm talking about a persuading heart, and, you, and you're sitting, you're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. You're saying, Lord, I need, I'm opening my heart. Lord, thank you that, that I, I set aside pride. I thank you that I've got a teachable heart. Use your imagination. You know, now you, you, you even imagination, try this. God is way up there beyond Arcturus somewhere, wherever the gateways of heaven are. Or is he here? Is he here with us? Because if you close your eyes and you see him on the bed next to you, don't even open your eyes. Imagine, just use your imagination. Instead of thinking about how evil things can be, take a truth like God is never leaves you and never forsakes you and say, I'm going to believe that's actually true. Okay, so let me just imagine. Jesus says, the truth is that he'll never leave me or forsake me. 
So while I'm sitting here, Jesus is right here in this chair, right there. <laughs> but I mean, you, 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 you actually in your mind's eye see him there. Have him there. Don't have him in your mind's eye beyond the heavens in some ethereal spiritual place where you no he says he'll never leave you or forsake you so 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 imagine use your imagination god is right there and then and then when you're putting a truth into and you and you're speaking to him like he is there and he is there you're taking a truth and you're unpacking that with the lord and you and you 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 you're saying holy spirit thank you for giving me insight and Thank you that my heart, no matter what I've heard, Lord, I just, I just unbar my heart. I'm willing to, to let you, Holy Spirit, be, be, be the cleanser of my belief system. I'm willing to let go doctrines that I've held on to. See, some people hold on to their doctrines so tightly because they don't know Jesus. Jesus th their doctrines have become their relationship with God. They have got their self-worth established in their doctrines. So you better not touch their doctrines, otherwise you're touching deep things. So that, that's, that's why you have to do this alone. You have to say, God, I may have be screwed up. My belief system may be screwed up royally. Help me. Help me. You ask Jesus, you, you, whatever it is, you may, you may do th this. Open your hands, Lord. I... I unbar any any hidden areas because i know you're good i know that the light the light listen this com contrary to what you've always heard the light of jesus brings freedom it brings love it brings light it doesn't bring condemnation but you see we we are so scared to ask god that because we think that god's almighty eye light is going to shine in our heart and we're going to feel we're going to, he's going to point out all the evil and sin in our life you know what Jesus is saying? What sin? What sin in your life? Oh, well, because he's dealt with it. Forgetful. East is from the west. So far as he removed our sins from us. So when you, when you, when you know that you've got the ability to come boldly before the throne of grace and to receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need and you, you, you open your heart to the Lord and you just say, Lord, Thank you, Holy Spirit, that, that you're, you're with me, you're in me, you're my comforter, counselor, guide. You can coach me through this. You can point out and highlight areas in my life that I've believed the wrong thing, where I've said this. And, and until you open it up, until you and Jesus, you, you, you meditate, you chew on that. And, and tell me, listen, you can, you can chew on something and, and, and for a while and something else for a while, and something else for a while, and, and sometimes you have a revelation, and then the more you do it, the more you pray in the Spirit, these things, <laughs> these things will all click together. Will set you free, you, you, if, you, if you're willing to let go of some of your stuff. But you see, some of us, we've heard somebody, we've said, we've heard ourselves say it. Sometimes, some of us, our ego is so established in the something we've said that we will never say anything different because everybody's heard me so as preachers are the worst you know I, I, because I, I, I told everybody this thing how can I ever tell somebody I'm wrong 
or I've already said that, or, you know, but, but we've got to. If we want to, if that is what humility is all about. So again, hum, just meditation, in, uh, you know, use, using meditation. And then when you see a truth in your heart and you see that thing and you start aligning, using your tongue and saying, the truth is I am the righteousness of God. You're not just saying, I'm the righteousness of God, I'm the righteousness of God, I'm the righteousness of God, I'm the righteousness, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's empty connected. You are in th- where, where, where it is a personal positive and present tense those three p's it's personal it's i am the righteousness of god in christ i am it's personal it's positive it's it's god for me and it's present right now i am the righteousness of god not one day in the sweet by and by and so and 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 when when you bring that into that and you start saying that with your mouth you, you when you're writing on your heart no shannon Yes, you did kick the cat or squish the dog or whatever the case is. And, and you say, but I am the righteousness of God made him. I've had to say to myself, I can't tell you how many times God made him who had no sin to become my sin, personalize it. He became my sin. Jesus took my sin on him. He took the punishment for my every sin on him. The Lamb of God. Oh, wow, that's amazing. Just all those illustrations that you see in the Old Testament showed that laying hands on the goats and speaking over the goat and then the goat getting slaughtered and the blood on the wow that's all and and so my mind is going with that whole imagery but i'm saying it i'm talking it i'm speaking it out and then it gets written on your heart and and i'm telling you guys that principle works for everything if you use truth, you use the truth of God's word, and you, you, you desire health in your, in your life, you say, Lord, I want your health. This is what you have. Then be pre- it's the same principles. You will create a new normal in that area if you do it that way. Otherwise, what you do is you just do outward behavior modification that will only last as long as you're pushing forth, putting forth energy. You will give energy towards behavior modification external. And as soon as you stop putting off energy to change your outward or your behavior from your outward or whatever it is outwardly, as soon as you eventually get exhausted and stop, you will revert to what your heart is at. Unless you follow this, you use truth, you use meditation, you use your tongue, you use these principles that God has given us and you learn how to write on the tablet of your heart. When your heart is thing, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what it is. You can be healthy. You can change your income. You can change the kinds of relationships that you live in. You can change your weight. Yes, you can. Oh, well, you, Shannon, you don't understand. You just don't. No, I'm just saying, no, I'm telling you. You, you know why we don't want to believe this? Because you're saying, Shannon, that it's my fault. That's why we, we, we want to hold on to stuff so we can point the finger at God or at the devil or somebody else. I can blame my parents. I had a terrible parents when I was young and I was abused and I was this and I was that. I'm sorry if you were abused, by the way. I'm not trying to make fun of that. I'm just saying, but you can point to something your whole life long. 
You can find an excuse. It's them. It's the government. It's the food that McDonald's sells. The coffee's too hot. There's too many calories. You can keep blaming and play victim your whole life. But the problem is that's not going to get you anywhere. You're going to wake up. You're going to change cities, get a new job, and you're going to wake up one morning and find there you are. You can't run away from you. But let me tell you, God hasn't changed how he feels towards you. He loves you. The truth is the truth, and the truth is able to find, give you freedom in whatever area you want. But it is up to you. And I know that's a bitter pill to swallow if you've got your ego attached to that. So let's close our eyes right here and just say, Lord, I choose to surrender my ego. Right now, Lord, I just, I choose to be wrong. I choose to say it's okay to be wrong and you to be right. I choose to let go of the things I've held on to because I do want health and I do want better relationships and I do want abundant life that Jesus came to give me. I want that, Lord. I want everything so that I can live this life to the full. And you can, no matter how old you are. I mean, some of you are just saying, oh, well, that doesn't matter. I'm too old. I'm telling you, no, it matters because you, you're, you're, you can have on earth your glor most glorious days yet. I'm telling you, don't write yourself off. That's a belief. Don't accept that lie. Moses started at 80. You can. There is no excuse that you have to. But what we do is we suddenly, we, we do, that's what the very, we call it, um, I'm trying to think, uh, it's, it's like self-condemnation. That's what steals the seed from the path. You, you disqualify yourself immediately. You say, I'm not good enough. I haven't done enough. It's the voice of the accuser, but it's been well, so well programmed. He's not even around. Your heart, it's not true. Your heart, though, can be changed. You can believe. Norm? Sure. This is a personal example, guys. I lived it for lots and lots of years. Yeah, you just remind me because what you're talking about, and God put it on my heart again, is we self-destruct ourselves. Yes, we do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, when uh, Alan and Janice were here, we had a uh, Alan started Bibles. We had a ministry thing, and uh, we went through classes, you know, to be licensed to be a minister. Me and Linda were licensed for almost 10 years and just put on my heart not to renew it, you know, not for no personal reasons or anything. But what was going on, I dropped out of school when I was really in the ninth grade, you know, got caught up in drugs and all this, and I was doing that self-condemnation thing. I was writing on my heart as a teenager and not realizing but the beliefs I was writing on my heart as a teenager. So what he's talking about may take you back on a journey to where you're going to have to rewrite some 
pre-existing things that are maybe a core, a root of some things. Okay, guys? This is real. This is life. This is where we're at. And um, what it was, I'm, I know I'm dragging it on, but what it was, I, we were going through this class for one year every Monday. Every Monday for a whole year. And then my whole, my whole growing up life, I never, ever completed anything in my whole life. Nothing. I'd start projects, not finish them. Start hobbies, get drifted off to something else. It came down to almost the last Monday of the thing when we were getting, and, and my heart said, quit. You never ever completed anything. What's, what's, what's the difference between this? My heart was trying to convince me to fall into my automatic default of self-destruct because of the things I wrote on my heart. And a lot of us are in that area. We may say we're not, but there's something that we're continually walking, trying to walk out of, and we get to that point, and we default. There's a, there's a good place where we can start. But um, eventually, you know, it, I, no, what, what, no. So I completed it. That's the first thing in 20-something years I ever completed in my whole life. Ever. But the whole thing was I was self-destructing myself yeah. in other areas of my belief system. Yeah. And it still, it works. In, it just, I just felt like I needed to share that because yeah. if you find yourself, there's something you all could be praying. You know, they come up. Man, I find myself self-destructing yeah. myself. Yeah. That's something that you could be, when Shannon uses the word um, revelation and, and that, I think of the word light. When Jesus, when God spoke light first, first he spoke light into the darkness, and then he put the stars up for the project light. That light is an illumination that separated confusion from things. That, that light was that separation of chaos, and it was an illuminating factor that everything else worked from was that light that he spoke. So I just thank God that he that if you if you fall, find that place or sitting there right now, say, Father God, I just thank you for that light mm -hmm. that you shine into this area of my life, for I can walk in the fullness and the life that you have with me and yeah. in me, and that I don't self-destruct. Yeah, amen. Anymore. You know, if we don't deal with it, thanks, man. That's 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 so good because and, and Norman deals with it because you know, you you all know that if anybody has struggled with some some kind of an addiction. What they do is trade addictions. They trade one addiction for another, and we've all done that to different degrees. You know, if we're addicted to staying busy, we stay busy. We can, st we can, say, we can stay busy with a hobby. We can stay busy with something else. We can stay busy with something good. We can get addicted to drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. There's so many things we can. You, you see, these things aren't new. They've been around since time since Adam and Eve. I, I, I know, though, that this pathway is just so simple. I know it sounds somewhat simplistic, and it does mean that there is, there is an effort, but it's not an effort to earn something that you're not. It's yielding to the truth of what Jesus gave you. He's given you by grace through faith, and we, we can deal with that some other time, but by grace through faith, what is faith? Faith is from the heart. <laughs> By faith, we lay hold of this thing that has been freely given us. 
That's why it's by grace through faith. I'm going to say it again. By faith, we lay hold of, and that's just about faith is here. Faith isn't there. See? Anyhow, I can't go there right now, but you know what I'm saying. Anyhow, so if you're here this morning and, and you've really struggled in an area, and I can tell you that you can get instant help by praying, you, by just coming to God, but you're going to need more than that. You need to carry on with that, and, and you can, and so I encourage you, if you've got something in your life that God is, that, that you feel you want prayer for, these ministers are awesome, and you're super confidential. They don't even tell me, so, but um, no, you, you feel, feel free. If you don't know Jesus, this is the time. If you're online, you know, if you're online and you, you, you want to lay hold of something, just text the word prayer to our texting church number 352-441-3016, and, and, um, and We'll, and no matter what time of the week you're watching this, we'll get that text and we'll set up a time and we'll have a prayer minister contact you. you know, and, uh, but but that, that, that book, there is, there are, you know, we don't, I don't think we have a life group running again on that book, but I'm sure we will um, before long have that book again. But I really, I love that book um, just because it unpacks some of these principles. But it is something that, that takes some some willingness to yield to her. As I said, Karen's book, Churches That Heal, that group that she's been doing is, is phenomenal. It deals with a lot of these things. Um, Search for Significance was written, yeah, in any case, lots of materials. I want to just, we, we've got materials to help with it, but the, it really unpacks these basic principles and helps walk that through. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our helper and our strength in a time of need that you're our comforter, our teacher, our guide, our coach. And for anybody who just says, Lord, coach me, coach me. Jesus said, come to me, all you are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, learn from me. My yoke is easy and light, and you'll find rest for your soul. Yeah? Thank you, Lord, that we do that. We just come to you right now and yield to that. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. So um, as we dismiss, feel free if you want to, uh, please use to, um, avail yourselves to our prayer ministers now and before services too. Have a great rest of the week. And if you're going to be at Overflow on Wednesday, come enjoy Overflow.